Hi, I'm Haley. No, I'm Haley. Oh, wait. Wait, I thought I was Haley. Just kidding. I'm Becky. <laughs> and, oh, I forgot the name of our podcast. God damn it. Oh, shit. Oh, this is How to Not Get Killed. That's it. I feel like we always come in like, hey, hey how like, are you? Hey, how are you? I'm always like, hi, how are you? I know, guys I'm always like week? so awkward in the beginning. I'm like, I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we like Why this? We just... shouldn't have a podcast. No. This is illegal. No. <laughs> it's been outlawed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Becky's dog. Haley's getting started, a pedicure by Oscar's Just started mouth. licking my toes. Oscar, like, come on. So seductively. <laughs> that was the most. I didn't. I wasn't looking at him at the time and I just felt it. Yeah. Like, I just felt his, like, warm moist tongue oh we just lost like seventeen thousand <laughs> listeners <laughs> so it was so disturbing okay his face right now is heartbroken because he knows we're like joking about him and he's like i gave her the good stuff too like oh, i put man. out all the moves and part now of you're me, into feet stuff <laughs> part of me feels like that was that was all for his benefit like i got a pedicure yesterday you know my toes are fresh they look tasty yeah he's like i gotta have those jerry rudos would be <laughs> rolling over in his grave right now oh my god what was it episode seven go listen to that right now (laughs) (laughs) you guys won't understand until you listen to that episode so what 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 year is it what week is it what should we i don't even know where we are oh yeah we're still accepting creepy freaky listener stories yeah yes we are got a lot of good ones we want more we want more we want so many we want so many that we have to split it into five episodes yeah to be honest i mean it's a halloween special but really our hopes and dreams are that we will continue to get these stories forever and ever and we can just continue to have special episodes where we can read them all because that's fun yeah Yeah. love that listener stories are cool i'm never gonna get tired of them yeah no i like hearing it it's fun even if just make them up guys just make them up lie to me i won't know any (laughs) any wiser i'll just be like that that happened holy shit Think of it like, you know, a grade 12 English short story assignment or something. Just mm, failed wow us. Just oh. really blow us away. I failed all of those. <laughs> no, you didn't. I, I just didn't We try. went to high school together. I know you're lying. I just didn't try. Yeah, I know that. Oh. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah. High school sucks. It does. I was it just talking about the other day. You like a tear falling. <laughs> it does. I was just having a conversation with some people the other day and... Someone was like, oh, yeah, like, would you go back to high school? I'm like, no, I wouldn't go back to high school. Haley, this was me. You had this conversation No, no, I legit me. had this conversation with another group of people. And someone was like, yeah, I loved high school. Oh, my gosh. And I was like. I'm your only friend. You, there is no other group of people. It was all of my imaginary friends. They they <laughs> all, all loved them. high school because at the imaginary friend high school, everyone's. Everyone's nice and Nice popular. to each other. Yeah. Yeah. But no, we did but I would. you couldn't pay me. Just I. I didn't even have a terrible high school experience. I just never want to be that um, awkward and insecure ever again. <laughs> yeah. I Mine was like, it was both horrifying and amazing. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. I don't want to have that roller coaster anymore. I want fucking stability. Yeah, like, yeah that's exactly <laughs> it. Like there's some days where you're like, I'm on top of the world. And there's other days where you're like, I want to die. There were days <laughs> where it would be like, I was the most popular girl in school. And then the next day it was like, that girl, we're going to jump her and curb stomp her. <laughs> 
And it was like, whoa, that was a switch from yesterday. <laughs> it's just, no, I, you're right. Everything changes so fast in high school that you're like, get me off this carnival ride yeah. that we call life. Yeah. <laughs> How did we start talking about this? <laughs> oh my gosh. Me and Becky clearly need therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, therapy. Yeah. We all need therapy. Yeah. Speaking of people who need therapy, <laughs> let's jump into this week's case. People, speaking of people who cannot be helped by a therapist, <laughs> this week I am talking about none other than Clifford Olson. I don't know anything about this case. Clifford Olson, uh, the second to be, to be uh, oh, correct. Oh, in that case, I do know about him. <laughs> um. I think Becky and I were talking about this before this episode when I started to do the research. I didn't quite realize I think we're a little bit too young to know mm. how um, like prolific and and notorious Clifford Olson is because I mean this his crime gosh his crime spree was his entire life but like yeah. the murders that we're talking about were within the span of nine months from 1980 to 1981 so it was long before we were born um and by the time we were born he was already in prison yeah so um like my parents remember this but is it local to us no it's vancouver vancouver okay okay it's it's mostly in but surrey actually Surrey. okay yeah well. <laughs> Allie, look out. <laughs> no, I'm like, <laughs> Becky and I are maybe going to be in Surrey in a few like, weeks. Yeah. Oh, my God. A few weeks. Oh, shit. I need to start packing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we leave tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I was doing the research with it. I'm like, Surrey. Oh, wow. How specific. Okay. I, I know someone there. Okay. I'm going to cancel my flight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, yeah. He's basically described as Canada's first sort of like famous serial killer, like <laughs> sort of na like nationwide press and and i'll get into why mm -hmm. um like he was so well known and so despised but um yeah so that's sort of you know i think in the states right like by 1980 you know ted bundy and ed gein and john wayne gacy yeah. and um the zodiac killer like these ed were kemper. all yeah. ed kemper um so this was kind of i guess thought of as canada's first like massive serial killer that was caught. I mean, we've had many that like, lot, yeah. again, we are talking about um, even in our hometown of London, Ontario, yeah. there's quite a few that, that were roaming about there in the fifties and sixties. Some of them were caught, but again, not, they weren't as high, nearly as high profile as this. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then we've, we've had others since, but um, like uh, Robert Picton and Paul yeah. Bernardo all came after. So yeah. I think this really sort of, uh, people describe it again as, uh, often that we do hear in some of some of these cases that's really like shake a city or an area that like vancouver lost its innocence yeah. because of clifford olsen he fucking just ruined it for everybody this else. big shit bag yeah so yeah. all right let's get into it let's fucking do it so he was born january 1st well, uh, 1940 so he was new, new year's, year's baby. new year's day baby um to clifford senior and leona olsen i love the name leona leona i know it's a really mm. nice name beautiful really nice um in he was born in vancouver um and in 1945 they moved to um the uh, richmond surrey area so okay. just kind of outside of vancouver um and it's it's said in a lot of accounts that um he, clifford olsen is kind of he doesn't follow that whole serial killer past childhood experience thing in the sense of like a lot of people say his parents 
were very loving, um, like adored him. Some say he like, you know, like almost coddled him. He was uh, like the firstborn child and then he had siblings after. But mm. um, again, like when you're sort of an only child for a period of time, like again, he was just he was showered with love and attention. Yeah. And um, it sounds like his parents were just like in a stable marriage and he didn't have any of those sort of like traumatic childhood experiences that a lot of serial killers do. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, like we've talked about how that can be a, not a cause, but a contributing factor. There yeah. was none of that. And usually not always, but usually when that's the case, when there is no traumatic experience, it's like due to their actual brain chemistry, yeah. making them lean closer to the side of psychopath rather than sociopath. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, a, a lot of my information I am getting from, like, there's a couple of websites I use. I just want to, like, just reference, I guess. But Murderpedia is, is, I got a lot of information from that, my crime library. And also um, another podcast I listened to on the way here yeah. um, called Serial Killers. So that's a, it's a podcast podcast. It's very good. I would highly recommend it. And they did some really good research. So <laughs> anything that I was yeah. iffy about, because a lot of these articles I was reading, like, a lot of the information is so conflicting. It's always like that. It's terrible. We're like right. dates are all inconsistent. Names even yeah. are inconsistent. Ages. Locations. locations. Oh my God, locations. It'll be like something that'll like full blown contradict the other thing. And it's like, well, did he kill him on the Saturday or three years later? Which yeah. one? Some like, of them are like, oh, he stabbed them. This one ham like with a hammer. And it's and like, well, that's a that's strangulation. Only. I'm like, Jesus, that's so inconsistent. So anyways, <laughs> um, anything that I wasn't entirely sure about. I kind of went with what they were saying on this serial killers podcast mm. because, again, they it had like seemed. a full team of people researching and they're all probably getting paid for it. And yeah. um, I trust them. Yeah. So I'm going to go with kind of what they were saying about some of the inconsistencies. So makes sense. Yeah. So basically he um, they did talk about how they felt that maybe because he was given so much attention and and made to feel so important by his parents that that could have fed um his narcissistic personality dis disorder and in, in sort of like i am the most important thing in the world and all this stuff not to say that yeah. like again there are lots of firstborn children or only children that are spoiled by their parents or coddled and, go on to be and are fine and don't turn out to be narcissists yeah. but they well, just said for him that brain chemistry of a psychopath leads yeah. to this like exactly is the case for him but. um as a you know sort of young adolescent um he had a reputation for kind of being a bit of like a con artist and um and being you know getting into some things like stealing like berries off of like bushes and then trying to sell them back to the growers and oh my God. like things like that just at a really young age hilarious. that's like it's, literally what i would do you know his dad was a milkman so he would like steal like when people would leave their milk money out on the porch and stuff he would like take it because he's like well my dad's a milkman so like that's uh like that's his money so i'm gonna take it it makes it my money like, things like that right it's just from a very early age apparently he um did get bullied a lot in school um bullies suck man yeah but um he skipped school a lot as well. Same. He flunked out of the eighth grade like Same. many times. He eventually graduated at the age of 15 from the eighth grade. Okay. So he like, yeah. For a second, I was like, whoa. No, 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 no. From the eighth grade, not okay. from high school. Okay. <laughs> like, he's a genius. Um, and then he ended up getting a job in 1956 at um, the old Lansdowne racetrack, where again, he did some... Um, you know, con ar conning and things like mm. that and whatever, getting Peculiar. into some trouble. Apparently, he also um, started boxing oh. as like a young adult or a young teenager bec because he was bullied. Mm. And apparently, he sort of like 
made his rounds um f- like back at the people who like bullied oh. him like because he, apparently he was actually a pretty good boxer huh. so his coach had nothing but good things to say about him and was like yeah he like came runner up in this like bronze glove competition and stuff and so i guess he was like you guys beat the shit out of me in school i'm gonna come and beat the shit out of you really beat the shit out of you so yeah i mean i think i would safe to say they got off lucky but just by getting a beating um so in 1957 he was um arrested for the first time and put in jail for burglary um and again at this point he he had been kind of like you know petty crime yeah again the conning the theft and things like that so he was finally arrested for the first time in 1957 so he was 17 at at this point um he was sentenced to nine months um and shortly after he was sentenced he actually escaped because he was in a minimum security prison okay this is what i don't understand whenever i hear someone's escaped prison even if it's minimum security how how do you just escape how do you escape like he, just- he, yeah there's there's actually multiple so he escaped in his like lifetime he escaped prison um seven times what the fuck we yeah. gotta tighten these prisons up guys he even yeah he even escaped from um maximum security prisons because How? he uh he would go to the library and he would study like medical like disorders or conditions and so he convinced the doctor that he had kidney disease and like by like going in and reporting these symptoms this was later on this wasn't the first escape okay um and then the doctor was like okay hmm, i'm gonna need a urine sample he went to the bathroom and like cut himself and then put blood in his urine (gasps) and then they sent him to the hospital and then that's how he escaped genius yeah and so he's he did things all over throughout his time in in jail and prison and stuff if i ever go to prison i mean i'm actually gonna do that it's genius I, I'm it not worked gonna go to prison but I, if i do for whatever reason it'll be for my road rage but it, it, <laughs> we all know becky's road rage it's hilarious <laughs> okay all. please don't go to prison we can't continue the podcast if you're in prison maybe we could i mean maybe if they let you yeah i feel like it'd be like wouldn't that be man wouldn't everybody listen though it's like one of the hosts is in jail Oh, yeah. You know what? Let's do this. <laughs> okay, can It'll you go, really to, increase go to our jail numbers. for us, please? Uh, anything for the gram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So apparently after the first time he escaped, um, he he went to his parents' house and then they were like, you, you, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're supposed to be in jail. They were pretty upset about it, obviously. Um, and he figured that it was going to be more work to go on the run than it was to just be in jail. So he went, yes, definitely. He just went back and turned himself in. But again, being a narcissist, he's thinking of it like, well, I've already proven that I can escape Mm. and that I can outsmart them. So like I've already done that. So I'm, they're not sending me back. I'm going back like on my own volition. Yeah. I'm volunteering to go back. It's my decision. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then again, doing this over the years, he obviously proved time and time again. Clearly. Then that that only fed his ego yeah, that he could escape so many times. Um, yeah. So basically over the next two uh, decades, as he was in and out of jail for a variety of charges from theft to breaking and entering, um, fraud, sexual assault and armed robbery. Um, in the 20 years that passed, Olson was arrested 94 times. And spent all but five years in prison. Whoa. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like, don't even know what to say about that. Most of his adult life at this point was spent but, in prison from the age of 17. Okay. Yeah. But 94 times to be arrested. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. That's a lot. I don't think I've ever been arrested. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> 
Um, like legit, no. I've never even been like put no. in the drunk tank or anything. Like no, I just yeah. I've been like talked to by police about stuff, but not like arrested. No, it's yeah. He was like it's probably safe to say that he was more comfortable at this point in prison than he was out. Mm. Um, but uh, he basically well again he spent a lot of time in prison so he gained a reputation um for uh raping other inmates oh mm-hmm. and also informing on them which um, oh he's a snitch he's a snitch and and these Snitches people that stitches. he would sexually assault were usually younger men so again two things that you don't necessarily want to be known for in prison yeah right yeah um there was one occurrence during one of his sentences where he um, he befriended a fellow inmate named uh, Gary Marceau, and he what Marceau was suspected of uh, raping and killing a nine year old girl, but the police didn't have enough evidence to convict him for that crime, and so Clifford said he would he would get a confession out of him, um, and he basically again he befriended this guy and he. Um, convinced him to write down his confession and this guy was kind of thinking oh i'm gonna write it down for him and he's probably gonna go and like jerk off to it and the police are thinking oh he's gonna get him to write it down and he's gonna give it to us well they were both right so he wrote down this confession (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think you were gonna say they were both right i thought you were gonna say they were both wrong (laughs) no they were both right like yeah, he he took it and like fantasized Splooshed about it. Like over this, it and then... he had been, you know, again, he had been in prison for sexual assault before, like he Ew, many what a times. Yucky person. So this guy is talking about how he sexually assaulted and then killed this nine-year-old girl, which Clifford had not done before at this point. And no. he's sort of thinking, wow, like maybe I can get more gratification out of like what this guy did than just what I'm doing. Like I need to maybe level up here. Level up. Yeah. Level up. Level up, level up. Which is, <laughs> which is a terrible way of describing it. But I'm sorry. I saw my opportunity. I had to. Um, so he, yeah, he got, he got Marceau to write down his confession. He did enjoy it. And uh, then he gave it to the police and he showed up at Marceau's trial and um, testified against him. And Marceau was given a life sentence. And then um, Clifford at this point a lot of the inmates were like fed up. Well, because... yeah, he's snitching and attacking everybody. And it's not even for like this guy Marceau because like I'm sure the inmates weren't No, they don't didn't like... care for him. But no, because he's he was snitching on like yeah. they were, you know, trying to smuggle in drugs and things like that and he would snitch on them for stuff like that. So they were What a sneaky little fucker. Pissed. They were If upset. I had a drug business in prison, I would be like, get him. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck this snitch. Um, so they, um, they all like, there was a plot again, he was in and out of prison a lot. So I don't know exactly where he was or which time this was, but they made it, they plotted his murder basically. The inmates. Yeah. The inmates plotted to kill Clifford Olson. So, um, they did, they they did get him into a room. They attacked him. They stabbed him and they beat him. Um, but then the the guards did come in in time before he died. Gosh and, darn it! Uh, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm sure some of those inmates are like, man, like we we had him, we did. Um, he actually came out and then said that because he was such a, a diligent informant and that he had put his life on the line to inform on his fellow inmates that it was the prison's fault for not protecting him and that he deserved. Um, to be rewarded basically so he was awarded thirty five hundred dollars in damages this is how manipulative this guy was uh, whose money 
like is like, like taxpayers the taxpayers the court yeah oh yeah yeah like yeah pardon the fuck out of me like, and this is in like the 70s thirty five hundred dollars is a lot of money yeah yeah so man i could use that right now shit yeah <laughs> so um in february of 1980 clifford meets um a woman named joan hale her name has since been changed okay. so thank goodness but um she had just gotten out of a really nasty divorce okay. um and she met clifford and as we know with psychopaths um you know they can be very charming very a lot charming. of people described him as a smooth talker very they, chatty that's usually how they're described yeah. he basically when they met he like worshipped her he like showered her with affection it's always fair tales in the beginning always <laughs> yeah um and she basically fell in love with him and between february of 1980 and september um of 1980 he did go back to prison i again he was in and out for a lot of different right. things so i'm not sure if it was for sexual assault or robbery but um he basically went back one more time and then was re released on september 7th 1980 for the last time before the killings begin okay so at this point he had been arrested for pretty much anything and everything except for murder okay so um he he went back to uh, the Richmond, Surrey area, and he rented an apartment with Joan. So they were living in the new Surrey Village apartments, um, only seven blocks away from his first victim. Um, and apparently, um, like, you know, neighbors would describe him as, like, a really nice guy and that, like, he was really, really nice, nice to all the little kids. Ew. Yeah, I know. Shut the fuck up. I know, right? Just, um you know that he was like willing to help out and things like that and so again just goes to show how manipulative this guy was and how how much he had developed his character right because yeah. we know that they do come up with this character persona. of a normal person well, a persona John right Casey, for example <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so um again it was all kind of sunshines and rainbows in the beginning but eventually you know he could yeah. only hold his true self in for so long yeah and he started drinking and um just being really belligerent all the time and yeah. joan ugly called him out for it and he basically snapped and um from then on she was she was in a pretty abusive relationship with him um oh, in in pretty much every way a partner can be abusive and no. so this poor woman who had just gotten out of a terrible relationship yeah, like she thought divorced, she just escaped that like and she had found some really great guy and yeah. nope turns out not and so that's got to be so for, like, difficult to deal with when, I don't know, you're like just coping from that and then it's like you like see the light at the end of the tunnel and then it's like, surprise, they're also a bag of shit. Like, and I feel like it's safe to say when you meet someone and for like six months, they're the perfect partner aside from the fact that he was in jail, but okay. Um, but other than that, he's he treats you like gold yeah. and all this stuff and then they start acting a different way and you think that the person that you first met was the real Clifford yeah. right yeah. and you're not realizing that no this is the real is, person yeah. they're not going to get back to that because they never that were the that show. Yeah. yeah but I think when we talk about because I do I know when people are like why would you stay why would you stay with this person you're thinking you're holding on to that yeah and there's a lot of reasons why women stay and we know that and yeah, like there's no judgment from me it's oh never it's no, no, no. um I never even ask the why would you stay because no I understand it's not it. fair and this woman had went through a lot and so basically um for a period of time Clifford 
was going out to bars and he was picking up um, children no. who were outside of the bar waiting for their parents to, you know, finish drinking. He was he was deliberately targeting children from broken homes or with alcoholic parents or things like that that he thought uh, people would not care about or no. wouldn't know that they were or wouldn't just wouldn't even care that they're missing or something. Oh, fuck. And he would um he would he would get them into his car cuz again he was charming, he would offer them like booze and things like and drugs and oh. get them all drunk and then he would either sexually assault them or he would convince them to have sex with him and if they agreed he would bring them back to his apartment and have sex with them in front of his girlfriend <gasps> no yeah children that's like fucked. you know like 12 13 14 year old kids ew yeah and at this point he's this is 1980 he's like 40 ew yeah so oh. Again, like terrible. Just disgusting. Terrible. Like that I don't understand that. Like that my brain can't wrap my like my brain can't wrap my brain around that. Yeah. And <laughs> and to make things worse, um, Joan eventually finds out that she's pregnant. Oh. Um, and when she finds out that she's pregnant, Clifford starts to like treat her a little bit better for a period of time. Um, he actually gets really excited about being a dad and she's thinking okay he's he's returning back to the person that i first met and maybe no, he sexually maybe being assaults a, children i know okay. i know i know <laughs> terrible but um she's she's thinking that maybe because this change was spawned from their child that because their child you know they're gonna have this kid and maybe he'll rise to the occasion maybe he'll like being a dad will help him become a better person i don't know anyways yeah she's pregnant I, I, I do think like it needs to be said for people everywhere babies don't fix relationships oh no like for a normal like I, two normal people who are having issues it's not gonna fix it no for this guy nothing 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 is gonna fix him yeah um but anyways it it yeah. was short-lived and he went back to being an abusive drunk piece of shit anyways so naturally um they get into a big fight on November 17th, 1980. So again, this is uh he was released September 7th in this time frame. He's doing all this yucky stuff. Disgusting stuff. She finds out she's pregnant. November 17th, he comes home. She leaves a note and she says, "I think that you love alcohol more than you love me." Definitely. Which is fair to say. He's raging and he's gets in his car and, and he's, he's like, "I'm going to go find her." Basically. Um and he gets distracted by 12-year-old Christine Weller, mm. who he saw outside of a bar um, riding a bike. 12. And so he, he approaches her, and she said that she's um, waiting for her dad, who's getting drunk inside. She Apparently, she's 12 years old. Apparently, she said that she had driven her dad to the bar, and she was waiting to drive him home. And in the meantime, she had a friend who lived by who let her borrow his bike to keep her busy in the meantime, just to, like, entertain herself. Okay. So I'm like, okay, she's 12 years old. Like, how did she drive her dad to the bar? Anyways, like, needless to say, she, yeah, she came from, again, like, a broken home yeah. or parents who were neglectful yep. or, I know of you alcoholic know. parents doing that to their children. Yeah. 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 So that's apparently was normal for her. And so he, um, he told her that he had a construction company and he actually had business cards made with, a like, a company name on it and everything oh. so that he always seemed legit right to yeah. these people um and he gave her a business card and he's like oh well if you want a job like i could give you i could give you a job as a window washer and she's sort of like um 
not really sure at first because again i mean it's just like a random dude wanting to hire a 12 year old girl but yeah. then he says well i'll pay you ten dollars an hour and back I, then would have been like three thousand dollars well hour. at the time it was that's three times the minimum wage in vancouver at the time yeah so that's a lot of money um and she, again she comes from a poor family yeah. so she she's like okay yeah that sounds great and so he offers her he's like why don't he do you want a beer we can toast to your new job and she's 12 yeah so she he again he convinces her to get in the car and he's feeding her beer and she's 12 so Mm. she gets drunk pretty quickly quickly. yeah i'm assuming she's probably small too yeah like like it's probably only would take maybe one beer yeah and she's starting to feel and i'm like (laughs) ripping my top one glass of wine swinging it around (laughs) 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 oh Um, man um yeah so so they get in his car and they start to drive and he's um giving her beer throughout throughout the night and she's feeling unwell um and they they pull up to a house that was built by the construction company that was on his business card um and said they like they were waiting for another employee or whatever but then he he basically he like comes on to her and he kisses her ew ew and um i guess apparently they kissed for a while which is i know this is so disgusting but then she asked what time it is and he said it's one in the morning oh and she's thinking like i was supposed to drive my dad home by now Why am i like picturing this to be broad daylight no i know it was but she was i I, i'm assuming it was in the it was the evening when he left um so he basically said oh like i have some i have some weed if you want it i would just you just have to come with me to pick it up and so she's again like not really like Coherent, conscious yeah. fully yeah and so she's like yeah okay so he goes back to his apartment to see if his girlfriend's there because he's like i'll bring this girl back and do what i usually do right mm. joan wasn't there but he grabs some sleeping pills no fucker so he he comes back out and she's like oh i thought you were getting weed and he's like oh i have something better these are my special wake-up pills so oh, you're feeling pills, drunk AKA right now they're go- yeah. yeah they're gonna help you sober up so yeah. he convinces her to take like a bunch of them okay. and she's needless to say just incoherent at this point yeah um so she passes out he's driving around um and they pull over um he pulls over into a field and he sexually assaults her multiple times um while she's unconscious no um he wanted again to bring christine back to his apartment um but when he goes to start the car it doesn't start no this is immediate karma yeah and he tries for apparently a while um and he knew he couldn't like call a tow truck with an unconscious 12 year old in his car so no he's like i have to get rid of her somehow oh fuck no yeah just call the tow truck instead fuck like i know i know um so he he takes her down to the bank of the fraser river he takes off his belt and he strangles her and then stabs her multiple times you fucking piece of human garbage and unfortunately um no one in christine's family reported her missing because she had um been known to run away before and classic report your kids missing even if they run away once a week classic runaway run run away child run away missing girl like this is uh, yeah this my is kids a staple are like, in the true crime and like it's just it really is it's and that's what's unfortunate is my kids are gonna go to school and i'm probably gonna just report them missing just in case well, like i'll see them get on the school bus and be like they're fucking missing <laughs> like, <laughs> call the cops right now it's yeah i mean it's really really sad the only people who actually were trying to find her was um the boy that lent, lent her his bike. bike 
because he was he probably was, like, where's my bike? He was worried about her. Yeah. And then his dad was looking for her as well because he was pissed. He thought that she stole the bike. Yeah. And he's like, well, I want my son's bike back. Yeah. But then eventually he gets concerned because none of her family cares. And they're calling, um, you know, different organizations to try it because they can't legally report her missing. They're not family members. Why won't those family just be like, okay, fine, sure, we'll call, fuck it. So, like, <laughs> that was, um, like I said, that was November 17th. Um, on yep. Christmas Day, um, her body was found frozen because no. it was yeah it was December twenty fifth with multiple stab wounds to the chest and abdomen and signs of strangulation. Um, and again, no search was ever conducted for That's her. That's the saddest thing ever. Like, yeah. I, I know from it's November seventeenth to like, I, okay, you know what? Yeah, your kid runs away often. How often does your kid run away? around christmas though like that and doesn't come back for like over a month yeah like yeah that's i feel like that's a long time like sure maybe your kid runs away for a night but they usually come back around dinner time like that's just fucked like look for your children yeah i know and um so basically there's a couple again there's a couple of conflicting accounts as to what happens between um november which was christine weller and april of 1981 but um, apparently he went back to jail for a period of time for a sexual assault of a sex worker. Mm. But apparently um, she was not the most reliable witness and she failed to appear in court. So he was released. Oh, fuck, but um, but there are other accounts that say he just continued sexually assaulting children like he did picking them up from the bars and stuff. Um, so I don't know if he did go to jail for a period of time. But anyways, there I felt like that kind of made sense because there was such a big gap between yeah. the first and the second murders but either way he he waited until april 16th 1981 um while his girlfriend joan was still in the hospital after giving birth no to their son okay um he goes back out on the hunt for someone else he's getting um you know again the sexual assault wasn't enough for him and he had already tasted murder Murder, and and wanted that again so he ends up spotting 13 year old colleen uh I think is how you say it, um, of Surrey, BC. Um, he asks her for directions. And then again, he offers her a job like he did with Christine. He This is often like for the future victims and everything. This like is often his... how he lured people into his car. And again, people trusted him. He had a business card. He was yeah. charming. Um, and this was the 80s and kids really just didn't know better. No. Um, and so he gets her in his car. He plies her with beer and drugs and this sounds a lot like john wayne gacy yeah i know i like know a lot it's um yeah there's a lot of similarities like crossovers yeah um so he drives her to a remote area in south surrey where um he repeatedly hits her over the head with a hammer holy fuck oh that's not no, no. and and leaves her in a remote area of the woods um she was reported missing by her grandmother um, but poli- police just assumed that she went to visit her mom in another city but then even when her mom goes no 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 i don't know where she is the police just still assume that she was a runaway okay so like that's they didn't look for her look for her and this is um, a child like even if they I did know. run away locate them i know like run away or not locate this child so like, basically he's getting away with it because he wrongly assumed that you know the family wouldn't report her missing like um christine's Christine. family yeah. but he rightfully assumed that the police would just 
think of her as a runaway and not look for her. Ugh. So he's getting away with this. This is fueling his, his ego, ego so much. Yeah. Right? Because he's like, I escaped from the police. I can trick them. I can literally murder people and get away with it. Yeah. Um, he probably doesn't even, like, in his head, he's just doing his thing. He probably has, like, no, like, I don't know, clue as to any police looking at his direction. He probably just thinks, like, I'm just having a time. Well, he probably even thinks that if he gets caught, he can talk his way out of it. Yeah. Right? Because he's on top of the world at this point. He thinks yeah. he's invincible. Yeah. So um, so that was April 16th. April 22nd. Oh, that's just a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. April 22nd. Um, Darren Johnsrud, 16 years old, um, disappears while running an errand for his mom while he was walking to the corner store, um, in, I don't know how to say this. I'm going to butcher it. Coquitlam, BC? Coquitlam? Coquitlam? I, th I think that's how you say it. I could okay. be wrong. Um, he was from Saskatoon, but he was, he had only been in the Vancouver area for two days visiting his mom and stepdad and he went missing. Um, and, um his body was found again this is there's conflicting information two weeks to a month later his body was found violently beaten oh, his fuck. skull had been shattered and he no. had been sexually assaulted oh my god uh may 15th 1981 so we're less than a month on now yeah um clifford and his girlfriend joan get married um as oh. he believes you know we have a kid now we should probably be married and we know again with psychopaths that they do try to pursue this like image uh, image of, a, of like perfect happy yeah, home of like a normal things are normal family we're and, good yeah um and they're usually fairly successful at it well for the most part not maybe not in his case but well he's pulling it off at this point i don't know how he's but. at least convinced her to marry him like, yeah <laughs> like so um so yeah so they get married on may 15th and on may 19th 1981 okay um Sandra Wolfsteiner, who is 16 years old, is trying to hitch a ride home from her boyfriend's house. And Olsen picks her up. Um, he takes her to nearby woods. Again, this is like a sort of pattern at this point. Uh, beer and drugs and things like that. Takes her to nearby woods um, and kills her. And uh, the it was determined to be head injuries that that was the cause of death. So Ugh. we're assuming again that it was a hammer like his like, previous victim. Uh jesus the um, hammer stuff i'm always just like fuck that like yeah no yeah i know it's no. just it's really um like visceral to think about yeah. that i like feel like i can hear it like yeah yeah so kind of around this time there was in doing my research there is a movie um i think it's a tv movie I could be wrong, Those but it, the best. it's, yeah, it's a Canadian TV movie. I believe it's oh, called. Oh, it's going to be extra good. Though. Yeah, it's called, actually I was reading the reviews Oscar for worthy. it and there was like one review and it's like, not bad for a Canadian production. And I'm like, okay, fuck you off. Like <laughs> we have Shit's Creek. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're I mean, getting Schitt's there. Creek is the fucking best. It's the best, but this but was it like, it did a also take like a hundred years for us to get the level of Shit's Creek. This was so. like a 2002 like tv movie so uh, you know knows? what there is a really good canadian like i think tv movie if you will that i saw recently with my family um actually like maybe two christmases ago it's called oh fuck it's called good cop bond cop and it's like about the border of like ontario to quebec oh. and it's like a crime movie um it's like murder takes place and they're trying to solve it and there's like 
the good cop that's like by the books and then there's like the french cop who's like this badass <laughs> oh like God. it's actually funny as hell oh my gosh that sounds it's amazing. actually really good i'm pretty sure it's on netflix it's I'm gonna really entertaining it. like when drew and i sat down with my family to watch it like in in ottawa with like everyone we were like this is gonna suck and we were like 10 minutes in just like cackling laughing oh it's my gosh so i funny. can't wait everyone watch it <laughs> everyone's gonna be like becky that sucked no it's fucking entertaining <laughs> no I'm it's gonna... very like slapstick but also like puns i don't know it's 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 good it's good i'm stoked i'm already so excited yeah you like wrote it down <laughs> so i haven't seen Sorry. this yes. particular tv movie it's called the investigation okay but it's based on a book um that was written and it's about basically in this time i believe it was after the fourth victim um Olsen picks up another teenage girl, plies her with beer and alcohol, and and he gets cocky and he's not paying attention. He flips his car. And what? Yeah, like he drives off the road and flips his car over. So he has to get like a, a tow. Like he yeah. has to basically get to a phone to call a tow truck or to call like whatever someone to come and help him. Yeah. But he's got this like kid, like intoxicated child, like small child, like teenager, basically yeah. a young teenager. And so someone, someone like is like, this is so sketchy and they call the police. And so a young RCMP officer named Daryl Kettles is the one who comes and. What a badass name. I don't know why. Uh, Yeah. Daryl Kettles. I feel like he kicks doors open a lot. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe at this point in his career, he hadn't graduated to door kicking, you know, he position yet, but uh, he's still kicking it. Yeah. He basically, um, he comes and uh olsen like ditched the girl it ran off in the movie he ran off i had i only saw the first like five minutes of it and usually if they're running it's a bad sign bad sign Uh, he does get arrested but they don't have any um like they don't have anything to hold him on because he didn't really like um something needs to change with that like the girl well the girl was unconscious and so she couldn't say anything and then he was like oh yeah like made up some sort of story like it's my niece or something or whatever they had nothing to hold him on he he is released when the girl wakes up she kind of explains more about what's going on and they're like oh okay this guy's like they assume he's like a creep but this guy daryl kettles is kind of piecing things together and he's like okay we have a couple of bodies of like (laughs) children around this age and a couple of missing missing children yeah um and he looks up olsen's uh criminal record and he's Sexual like, assault. I think it could maybe be this guy. He's yeah, the he's first person. He's been arrested person. 94 times. It could be this guy. He, he's the first person to think that Clifford was responsible for all of these crimes. Because uh, at this point, they're investigating them like they're um, I like isolated Kettles. murders, right? Yeah. Or isolated missing Incidents. persons. Or runaways. If they hadn't found the bodies of any of these kids yet, they just still they assumed just... that they were on the run from okay. whatever. Sure. <laughs> like Canadian suburban life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's because it's so hard. <laughs> but uh, he, he, yeah, basically like no one listens to him. And they're like ignoring. I don't like he, that. He's the first person that has a hunch, and that's what this whole movie is about. So follow the fucking I didn't, hunches. I didn't watch. I didn't have time to watch the movie, mm. and I looked up the book on Amazon. It's eighty one dollars. Oh, so we need expensive. a couple more Patreon subscribers before I can like read that book. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll need to take out a mortgage for that. <laughs> but <laughs> I will watch the movie because it's based on the on the book. But you never know how accurate, obviously, the movies no, are. But anyways, it's usually like super dramatic. There's a whole like. separate section about this guy and there's another rcmp officer who yeah. from the beginning are like we think it's clifford olsen so hmm. unfortunately this is victim four and there are more it's unfortunate this guy is pretty sure that it's 
Clifford and no one does anything about it. Because it could have stopped there. Yes, it could have. So um, that was, again, that was around May 1981. So June 21st, 1981, 13-year-old Ada Court um, is on her way home from babysitting and she disappears. Oh, no. And again, the same routine, luring children yeah. into his car and everything what a piece of fucking trash yeah like her body is uh found two months later with several depressed skull fractures oh poor girl july 2nd 1981 nine-year-old simon partington of oh, no. surrey disappears while riding his bike home from a friend's house oh that's so young nine yeah simon. um and this is why um he's sometimes cited as not really having a specific uh like victimology because he's had both like little boys and little girls boys and girls from the ages of nine to 17 yeah which is a little bit that's a range yeah Yeah, it is for sure and i think that's why people weren't assuming this was a serial killer and uh, like just based off of oops i knocked my mic sorry if you heard that but uh like based off of just the names i haven't seen images of these victims but like just based off of their names it sounds like some of them might be like of different ethnical backgrounds so it doesn't sound like he's sticking to one i haven't looked yeah i haven't looked up any pictures or anything so i'm not sure but yeah again from the ages it seems like there was he it's was all, all over, over the, place. the place yeah like um, the only thing he, it has in common is that they're underage yeah exactly that's pretty exactly. much it so he yeah so he disappears um he's taken to a remote location again given beer and drugs and was strangled and at this point um with this particular case because he was so young um the rcmp is not allowed to treat it as a runaway so they have to they have to they have to treat it as a missing persons. Good. That should be for like everyone. <laughs> I know. I know. Or at least people under 18 like Jesus. Well, I like, would hate to go missing and then like have it be chalked up to well like oh there was one argument she had with someone a week prior she ran away. No, fucking look into it. I wouldn't just like run. I mean, I don't know, but some people do that, but I know. Okay. Like and, it's still just so frustrating. And also, I'm sorry, but like if you come from a broken home and you've run away multiple times before and and someone reports this person missing, you should still find them. You should check like, in. You should find them. Maybe the home life is is so bad that they're running away. But like there's services for that. Like there's other find things that can be done. And they're definitely them. not better off running away streets. at 13. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, find it's, them and yeah. help them up with like help them out with some kind of like resource to be yeah. better um, or get better so that was july 2nd july 9th he abducts and kills 14 year old judy kozma um he had again given her liquor and drugs before he killed her um and then he leaves on a two-week vacation with his family to go to disneyland that sounds lovely i hope he had a wonderful time they so I that's what I found in my research in the podcast that I listened to serial killers Mm -hmm. they said that they didn't even make it to Disneyland because they got into a fight and she was fighting about he found money in Joan's purse that she had been hoarding from him because he had been taking all of their money and buying booze with it good Um, for her for hoarding that fucking money and he got your child he got so upset with her because she wouldn't give him the money she had gone out from the motel they were staying at and he cut his infant son no on the chest no and left him bleeding in his crib no and then took the money and she comes back and is obviously horrified it's very this clear guy needs to be burnt alive yeah it's very clear he doesn't like he is a complete he's narcissist, a psychopath, psychopath so, yeah. piece of shit he yeah. doesn't care about anyone but himself even his own no. child um and so they turn around and and go back to vancouver 
um, oh because Clifford ruined the family trip. Okay, yep. damn it, Clifford! Oh, fuck. <laughs> God, just, I hate it when you literally violently attack he my. He can't baby. even hold like, it together for. Two get weeks. your goddamn shit together. Fuck. So, Ju- July 9th with Judy Kozma. July twenty third, um, he lures Raymond King, who is fifteen. From a youth employment center, again, by promising him a job. Um, and he was thrown down an embankment and murdered while unconscious by rock blows to the head. No. Um, his body was found brutally beaten two weeks later in the Fraser Valley on the shore of Lake Weaver, where most most of the bodies were yeah, found in, say, in the same where? area. Um, and, and again, most of them were... Again, he did kind of move around as... A, as far as what he was, um, how he committed these murders. So that so far we've some had strangulation, strangulation stabbing, be- yeah, and hammers. bludgeoning with a hammer or with rocks. So he liked to switch it up because he liked to see different ways he could kill these people and get away with but it. But they're all still similar enough and they're in like similar location that it's like, okay, so what? You're using a different like vehicle to get to the murder. You're still finding all of these young bodies in the same area. How are the police not piecing together that this has to be the same killer? Yeah. How many bodies do they actually find that frequently that they're like, this is just a one-off? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And I think, again, at the point when the nine-year-old boy went missing, they're like, oh, gosh, okay, like, not all these kids are running away. Um, and not all of the bodies had been found at this point, but enough of them, I believe at least two or three of them had been found yeah. at this point, um, that they were like, we need to, like, figure something out. Yeah. And the... RCMP will later claim that they had been watching Olsen at this point, but there's a lot of um, criticism about what went on with the investigation because um, they wanted someone, well, Kettles and the other officer that like the movie was made about, they argued for surveillance. The thing with surveillance is that surveillance cops cannot interfere with anything that they're viewing even if they're viewing a crime or if they do interfere you can't use any of that in court so it ruins the like basically like the legal end of it and it costs a lot of money because you have to pay these like multiple cops however many people are doing the surveillance to watch so they had him you know surveyed for a period of time right during the day because they wouldn't pay anyone for night shifts but the nighttime is when stuff happens. I know. Okay. I know. I know. And so he had been surveyed periodically throughout this time because they were watching him or they wanted to be watching him. Yeah. But then they'd survey him for like a period of time. He wouldn't do anything. And then they're like, oh, maybe he knows that we're watching him. Like we've been compromised because he's not doing anything um, when really he's just doing all these things at night. Yeah. So they stopped surveying him because they're like, we're wasting money. He knows and he's not doing anything. So th- they stop. And yeah. then again more bodies are found and they're like oh okay shoot we need to like like 24 hour surveillance maybe oh really is what we need i don't know what genius (laughs) thought of that idea but gold star yeah fuck (laughs) um this case makes me angry i it's it's so infuriating i'm angry now so i will i will recap that we've had uh simon partington july 2nd Mm -hmm. judy kozma july 9th raymond king july 23rd um and on July 27th, he abducts uh, Terry Lynn Carson, who's 15, from the same housing complex in Surrey where Christine Weller was um, okay. had lived. Um, and he kills her by strangling her and leaving her body um, near Lake Weaver as well. 
Okay. On is Lake Weaver in the like what is it the Fraser area? Fraser Valley area. Yeah, yeah I okay. don't know that geographical location okay. very well, but that's what they say. It's kind of all in the same area. We should go roughly. scout it out when we're there. I know. I'm like we're gonna be there. Um, July 25th. So in between Raymond King and Terry Lynn Carson, July 25th, uh, Judy Kozma's body is found. So again, okay. I think that that is the um, like sort of like we need to get the our ultimate shit and gear. tipping point. Yeah. Good. Oh, so, fucking time. sorry. I missed something oh, in my oops. notes. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. I'm fired. <laughs> so on July 25th, Judy Kozma's body is found on that same day. Olsen takes, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I say this name wrong, Sigrun Arndt. She was an exchange student from Germany. Okay. Um, and she was 14 years old. And she had been hitchhiking outside of Vancouver. He picks her up. Welcome to Canada. He like, kills her. Fuck. Um, and her remains um, had to be identified through dental charts. No. Which a couple of his victims did because... That's awful. They were so unrecognizable. That's just the worst. Like, so... That's horrifying yeah. for those families. Like... I, uh, and, like, you're an exchange yeah. student, so your family isn't even here. And... Yeah. Uh, that's... Yeah. That's gotta that's be fucking rough. Terrible. Yeah. Um, July 30th, Olsen picks up 17-year-old Louise Chartrand while hitchhiking um, to her job in Maple Ridge, BC. He drives her to an area near the ski resort in Whistler. Okay. And he kills her with a hammer and buries her body in a shallow grave. Is that the first one he's buried? That's the first one that I read about that he had buried in a shallow grave. The other ones, he apparently he like covered them up with twigs and leaves and oh, stuff. Oh, that'll cover it. Well, some of them, yeah, apparently. some of them some hadn't of, some been of them found. Did, the yeah. thing is, is that they do say he, he, they, where he took the bodies was always remote areas. Like okay. it wasn't like on hiking trails and things like no, that. Like yeah. it was because like usually off. you hear about that where it's like, oh, two hikers discovered a body where it's like these were not um, populated areas. Yeah, okay. or or Fair. areas where people were often Traffic. visiting and yeah. things like that. So in the month of July, that's six yeah, victims. That's a lot for one month. Yeah. That's almost like borderline spree. Like that's... that is no, that this is his spree, like yeah. for sure. And this is why I was like, I feel like it's probably correct that he was in jail sometime between November and April, because I feel like that's a long that would time be a lo for that him. And that would be like enough of a stressor for him to have to go on a spree. Yeah. 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 For sure. So um, August... 12th 1981 because the rcmp is they are watching him at this point okay because of the body of judy kozma was discovered and and that was sort of like they're like okay we were pretty sure it's yeah. him they watch him pick up two 13 year old hitchhikers and he takes them into the forest um where there's like a picnic blanket laid out and everything and again even though i'm pretty sure they're not supposed to intervene they did thank god thank god because they're like, we're not going to let this go that far. What I don't understand is like, okay, I understand that they can't intervene maybe on like, let's say like a drug transaction type crime or something. But when you're about to watch like two little girls get murdered, you should be able to intervene no matter what. Yeah. I Or even I, sexually assaulted. Like get your fucking asses in there. Arrest them. Do something. Well, I think that the thing is, is they, they move in. They arrest him and he goes, well, what are you doing? You're arresting me for having a picnic? Because you can't what are you going to do in that situation? Are you going to wait for him to start hurting one of these little girls and then catch him in the act? Cause you'd have evidence then, yeah. but you don't want to do that because like, 
if I was a parent, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? You didn't stop him beforehand. Like, yeah, of course you're going to do. But then you catch him before he's done anything. So this is the situation they find themselves in because they do take him because they're not about to let him hurt or kill these two little girls. Um, But they don't have anything on him really other than one piece of evidence which they find in his car which is his address book that has the name judy kozma in it Hmm. so they take that and they're like okay we have this they're they know that he's their guy they just don't have any hard evidence on him but they have enough to hold him yeah and they have what the 48 hours or something to like really pull their shit together and build a case so they basically say like they need they need him to confess they interrogate him they interrogate him all this stuff what people didn't know at the time that came out a little bit later is that they made a deal and this is what really was upsetting for people in this case is that the police made a deal with him where he said i'll confess to all of the crimes um for ten thousand dollars a murder and they imagine being the family members and this is what we'll this is what we will get into but um they they agreed because they didn't have that's i'm sorry i'm sorry a a nine-year-old his life is worth ten thousand dollars well that's that's what these police officers are telling us what they what they basically said after is that we needed him to confess we weren't going to just give him the money the deal was that the money would go into a trust Um, And we knew that we could basically, like through the legal system, like bar access to it. Okay. So he he actually never had any access to this money. He put it in a trust in the um, under his wife's name. So the money was to go to his wife. Okay. So again, it's. It's that's a really dangerous precedent. It really does. Because other serial killers could be like, oh, yeah, like Clifford Olson, I want money. But they because I understand how this is a difficult position, because, again, they were like, we needed him to confess. He had like like he he was like, I can tell you where the bodies are, but I'm not going to do it unless you make this deal with me. And all of the people who like greenlit this deal had to resign people were furious of course it was once it got out in the media it was madness but they they defended their position again by saying we it would have been worse to let him go free by not having enough evidence fair yeah but i i do get that they wanted to find the bodies so that the families could have closure and he wasn't going to tell them where even if they could prosecute him which they might have been able to do he was never going to tell them where the bodies were and so it's Son frustrating like, it, it, it is really all is, around like, i don't even know how to feel about it other than like maybe there's something else they could have done but it's, it's a really unethical pre- precedent because oh, like here i am thinking like okay the, the what i hear is is yeah how you mentioned like it sets the tone for other serial killers but what what i'm hearing is is okay so his wife got this trust great but it sets the tone for other people who might be in financial need and they're like, okay, well, I know about this case. The precedent has already been set that I know mm-hmm. if I want to be able to provide for my family, I need to kill roughly five children and make a deal yeah. that I get 20000 per head for information and locations. Yeah, exactly. And my wife and children or my husband and children will be set for life because of my crimes. Yeah. It sets that unethical precedent of like, 
well, I don't have any money. I'll never be able to get a job. And this is what I can do to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, that's what people were furious about. They were just like, you don't negotiate with a serial killer. And like, if we're going to talk like a monetary thing, I'm sorry, but in my mind, $10,000 is not enough per head. Well, no, but they weren't going to give him more. That's what he asked for. No, I know. But you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> like, he's like $10,000. They're like, no, 20. But like, I'm saying if we're putting a monetary value on oh, a child's course. head, I'm it, thinking yeah. like, they're worth more. <laughs> like, Oh, we know that. I, he, I, he, yeah. he thought they were worth nothing. He killed yes. them, right? Like, oh, he's of like, course. I'm not me, saying give him more money. Oh, I'm yeah. saying like, that's just like awful. Like, it's the same way. Like, this is not the same way. I was going to make a bad joke, actually. I just fucking cancel it. In bad taste. Well, no, it was, it's, I've said it's the same way, but it's nowhere near the same way. Um, so he, um, he's uh, eventually he pleads guilty because he made this deal and he's sentenced to 11 concurrent life sentences. Okay, at least he's in there for fucking ever. With um, the eligibility for parole in oh. 25 years. Everyone's eligible for parole after 25 years. <laughs> I don't like um, that. I know, which is, again, Change the terrible. system. Change the... <laughs> um, January 14th, uh, so shortly after the trial, the... The, ca- the cash for bodies deal that Wilson made with the RCMP is now leaked. And people, this is when people find out about it. Um, originally, apparently, he asked, like, he asked for $10,000 a murder, which would have been $110,000. Um, and they come back and say, no, $100,000. And he goes, okay, fine. The first one's a freebie. Oh, my fucking God. This is how much Ugh. of a piece of shit this guy is. I Like, he and, deserves to be reincarnated into, like, toilet paper oh it gets better he proposes after this to do another deal because he's like oh i have way more victims i can tell you where more bodies are oh, if fuck you pay you. me more money oh but at this point you. it had been leaked to the press and they were like there's no we there's no way possibly, we yeah. can do that and there's no way they should give him any more money of course yeah but he claimed for the rest of his life that he had many more victims do you think he actually did with his criminal history yeah i do he yeah. also spent some time in the states like ah. in, in between his like again um there there's a lot more that i found out through this podcast the right. serial killers one where they like he did spend some time in the states between jail yeah. sentences he spent time out um like near in ontario near the toronto area oh he God, like picked up find... a hitchhiker and drove around the country with him he was 13 years old like <gasps> there's a lot more that there's went on sh- yeah there's shit everywhere so then. i would not be surprised if he had many more victims and he's also suspected of being responsible for a lot of the um the like highway murders okay out in like near the rocky mountains in bc okay a lot of the missing missing women out there mm-hmm. mostly um they think he could have been responsible for some of those because some of the bodies that were found like similar mo and things like that yeah. but again he it's... he never led them to any more bodies because yeah. he was like you're not paying me anything and it's probably too hard to pin on them yeah yeah so um obviously the families of the victims were furious um, the, and again, the RCMP basically claimed that the bodies were in such isolated and hidden locations that they, it would have been virtually impossible to, um, to have found them without Olson's cooperation. And that was kind of their justification for it. But the families of the victims pursued Olson in court to obtain the hundred thousand. Good. Sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. The hundred thousand dollars he had received, but it was in a trust in Joan's name. Oh, so they'd have to go after her. Yeah, so they did go after her, but eventually the court 
there was a lot of back and forth where mm-hmm. like there was one court decision that said that the money is going to be dispersed among the families and then there was and then it was appealed by Joan and Clifford and whoever else um to the Supreme Court and they said that basically that the money was never intended to go to Clifford it was intended to go to his wife who the judge believed was a, just simply another victim of Clifford Olson which she was um fair yeah but- and that um that the money belonged to her and that he didn't, he didn't take it away from her. And again, sure. it's, it's, that's a difficult situation. It, it really is a sticky situation. Cause like there is the empathy, empathetic side of me. That's like, I understand that. And I can see that. And sure. Maybe to some degree she does deserve that. She is a victim of his, but like she's alive and well now I'm assuming well, and has a child. And has she, been, she took her kid. They both changed their names and so she and got a fresh start. Else. She, Again, the money shouldn't have been given in the first place, no. but the fact that she was able to have that money after being through two horrific marriages to two horrible people yeah. and that it went to someone who it gave her an opportunity to have a fresh start yeah, and, and not have this follow her for the rest of her life. Because again, in the Serial Killers podcast, they're like, we couldn't find anything about her after she changed her name and it's probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, that again, I mean, I don't want to say I'm okay with it. It's just, I'm glad it didn't go to him. Yeah. I'm on the fence about this because yeah, there's the half of me that's fine with her having it. And then there's the other half of me that's like, what about these families? Like, it's just a situation that it happened in that they were like, you were manipulated by him. Yes. To the point where you gave him a hundred thousand dollars. Like, even though it didn't go to him, it was still, he still controlled the situation, right? Like it's, which is again, infuriating. Yeah. So, um, the the RCMP they do believe that he had more victims, but again, it's it's impossible to know how many. Um, he again claimed that there was like eleven more that hmm. you know bodies he could lead them to, but we'll never know. Unfortunately, they do believe that he was maybe responsible for some of the highway murders, like I said. Hmm. Um, one source says police believe that Olson has knowledge of seventeen women and six young girls who were murdered on the highway murders. That was just one source said that. So I don't know again. Yeah, um, yeah. And they said that a lot of the girls were young, fresh faced, innocent looking like petite girls, I guess, like the other girls that he took. Again, I didn't look up how, like what they looked like, but mm-hmm. that's, that's what the source said that the, the physical appearance was, I guess, somewhat in line. Okay. So it's possible. And again, whether mm. it's the highway murders or somewhere else in the country yeah. or somewhere in the States, he claimed to have knowledge of like the Green River killer. Like oh. he, he claimed to know who it was and to know where some of the bodies were. But, um, and oh he God, actually... He's such a fucking narcissist and thinks he knows everything. Like he actually, this part was confirmed by his trial lawyer that he um, was given, uh, where is it? He was apparently given immunity from prosecution in Washington State in return for him offering to reveal the whereabouts of five bodies of his of he he said that he did not kill them but he knew where bodies were and he said he would only tell where the bodies were if he was given immunity so that he couldn't be extradited to the states because they have the death penalty okay so he killed those people so <laughs> but again it was apparently confirmed by his trial lawyer that there was like a signed immunity deal and that he gave information on bodies in the states as Interesting. well. Interesting. So that's why I'm like, 100%. He had more victims. One million percent for sure. Gajillion percent. Um, there. So this is 
this is so terrible but he it did it just didn't stop there he continued to torment the victims of his family uh, like the no. families of his victims like, you've done for enough for the rest of his life he would write them letters about how he killed Fuck their children off. um one of so darren john Strude's stepdad uh gary rosenfeld uh, launched a group called Victims of Violence, and in 1986, he received a letter from Olson describing exactly what he did to his stepson, and apparently there was other vic- uh, families of victims that received similar letters, which is disgusting and just so heinous. Yeah. Like I said, true That's just like, psychopath. Like, you have yeah. no remorse. You have no empathy. No, he's like, you this have is nothing. fun for him. Like, that's insane. I can't believe that. Um, there was a quote from him in 1989. He testified um, at an inquest into an inmate suicide at Kingston Penitentiary. And he <laughs> said um, that God had forgiven him for his murders. The quote says, I've asked for forgiveness. I've been forgiven. And that's the end of it. Hmm. No. No. That's no. Unfortunately, no. I, I no. feel like there's a probably a nice steaming pile of dump in hell just waiting for you. Yeah, to I think so, on. too. Yeah, he's atrocious. So um, in August 1997, he applies for parole under the Faint Hope Clause. So this is before his 25 years. But the Faint Hope Clause um, basically allows prisoners to seek early release after just 15 years of a life sentence. Um, It dates back to 1976 when Parliament scrapped the death penalty Mm -hmm. and added a parole hearing for inmates that had served 15 years of a sentence. It was originally seen as an incentive for good behavior. Um, Apparently, during the parole hearing, Olson addressed the jury, asking them, do I look like some kind of raving lunatic? Yes. And the entire, like, apparently the entire room just, like, burst out in shouts, like, basically being like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you fucking piece of flaming garbage. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, his application was dismissed in, like, five minutes. Yeah, they were probably like, (laughs) like, get the fuck out of here. No. They were like, nice try. And... Again, this is why people see him as such a twisted, yeah, fucked up person. Because every parole hearing he applied for, you put the families through that all over again. Every time. Because they, they, they're notified of it. Some of them choose to go to it, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have to go there. But a lot of them want to go and testify to try and make sure that he doesn't get out. Yeah. Um, and it's really grueling And it's taxing because, like, as the family, like, even though most of the time i don't well maybe not most of the time like you know that they're probably not going to get approved like someone like him just isn't no, going to get approved but he knows you have He's just that, doing it to fuck with them you have that like worry going into it knowing that maybe there's going to be a fucked up jury that says yes and lets him out you well, know what i mean like yeah you would have because that he thinks fear. he's smarter than everybody but like i mean like the families like every time he goes for parole would think well, fuck, what if they do let oh, him out? Like, yeah, it would absolutely. be the most, yeah, uh, disturbing thing to go through over and over again. Yeah. And so basically because of this, um, the families basically hold like a demonstration to get rid of the faint hope clause. And it was basically amended to exclude serial killers like Clifford Olson. Mm-hmm. And eventually it was completely um, like abolished. repealed. Nice. Yeah. Okay. In 2011, it was repealed. Oh, that's um, fucking recent. Holy crap. Yeah. But after the demonstrations, because that was 1997, he applied for the early parole. Um, 
shortly after that, it was it was at least amended, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then it was fully repealed in 2011. Okay. Okay. Um, So, again, this is why a lot of people say like Clifford Olson caused a lot of change in the legal system. system because he exploited the loopholes. Yeah, to the clearly. best of his ability. Yeah, he created the loophole. <laughs> yeah, he fucking burrowed them. Like he, Trick. oh, he's again, he's intelligent. He did a lot of research. He read a ton of he's books in the libraries and stuff, yeah. and he figured his way out of it. But um, in July eighteenth, two thousand six, he applies for his parole, the twenty five year parole. Mm-hmm. You said um, sorry. You said two thousand and six. Yeah. Okay. So that's his twenty five years. He can apply for parole um apparently he like he just sounds like he was super bizarre he was like making statements during the break that he's like not going to come back because he doesn't even want to hear their verdict and stuff and it's like well you applied for parole like obviously you want to know what they have to say yeah you loser he claimed that he had um a deal with the u.s attorney general in exchange for information relating to 9-11 okay i'm sure you did (laughs) yeah like he was just he always made claims and again that's why like some of the claims about like oh i have other victims like that's yeah i i believe that like some were so far he could have been exaggerating how many mm-hmm. but the 9-11s i mean you're in prison what did you have to do with 9-11 anyways Ugh, yeah his re- his application was rejected within half an hour good um there is a journalist who i did find just recently that he wrote a book um his name is peter worthington and he had periodic contact with olsen since 1989 off and on and he um he just sort of attested to like what kind of a person he seemed like and again he he was very much like a like a compulsive talker Mm -hmm. he said he very much was always in control of the conversation he would like switch topics back and forth and stuff but he was always like in control and he seems so like chaotic and stressful purposeful with you know the things he was saying um rcmp officer jim hunter stated i can well understand why those kids got into a car with him he really had the gift of gab Mm. which again it's scary when like an rcmp officer is like i i get why he was able to lure all of those children into his car yeah they're children right like it's and it's in his like genetic makeup that like he's just good at yeah convincing manipulating yeah yeah worthington um was also quoted saying he knows right from wrong he just doesn't care everything yeah (laughs) everything is a learned behavior he's a good con man and he manipulates again psychopath psychopath yeah um a national parole board member stated olsen presents a high risk and a psychopathic risk he is a sexual sadist and a narcissist yeah. if released he will kill again one million gajillion percent and so again he was rejected obviously Good. um in 2010 olsen boasted to worthington this journalist that he had contact with yeah. that he had been receiving more than 1100 dollars a month in old age security and guaranteed income supplement since he had turned 65 in 2005. So Get for f- five years, yeah, he was receiving old age security. I thought you security. couldn't if you're incarcerated, no? You can't now because of Clifford Olson. What a piece of... Like, yeah, because him. Worthington was a journalist. So he's like, what the... So he's like, I'm going to share He wrote about things. it and then people were furious. And then the government was like, oh, shoot, Oopsie. sorry, we forgot about that. We'll change it so that you can't receive it if you're still incarcerated. Yeah. Because what are you spending it on anyways? I yeah. mean, to be completely honest, I know you can buy things in jail, but like you don't need $100,000. You don't need $1,100 no. a month. Like, no. You shouldn't get that. So no. Because again, this is what I'm saying. Because of him, a lot of things were actually changed for people in the criminal justice system for the better um it's just 
It sucks. Should have. Yeah, yeah it shouldn't have been that way in the first place. But well, no. But also, fuck this guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So basically, in Ju- uh, June first, twenty ten, the federal government introduces legislation that suspends benefit payments to prisoners until after they're released. So for someone like Clifford Olson, if you're never going to be released, then you're just never going to get it, which is fine. Which is totally fine, yeah. Uh, November 30th, 2010, Olson applies for parole a third time and is denied. Good. Families of the victims complained that killers like Olson, um, basically after 25 years, you can have a parole hearing every two years. Uh. Um, And so they, through complaints and um, demonstrations and stuff, they did change how long, like the time between you know you can apply for parole yeah i think that they changed the process of it where you can apply for it but the judge reviews it before it actually goes to a hearing so Mm -hmm. that for something like this the family doesn't have to go through that every Every, two years which is absolutely insane to me that yeah that for someone like him that that is allowed i just yeah anyways so um that was 2010 he applied for the third parole and was denied in march 2011 um legislation that increases the time between parole hearings for multiple murderers like olson right. receives royal assent so i don't know how much the time increased too i couldn't really find that information but okay it's at least increased the period of time in between um well, that's and, good because like that's yeah yeah it's just uh, that would be exhausting for the families and traumatizing um and in september 2011 olsen dies at age 71 of colon cancer let's fucking celebrate yeah and again for the families that they didn't have to like if he imagine he lived to like 90 or something and then every every, couple of years three or four years or whatever they increase it to even if it's five years like you your whole life you have like this hanging over your head yeah knowing that he's still like that every time it comes up he's gonna apply for that just to screw with you just yeah. to make you and relive maybe it one because he let him out and thrives on just like the hurt and the pain torment and control and yeah taunting yeah fuck well good thing he's dead i hope it hurt um yeah i hope he was in a lot of pain yeah uh, i hope I it was hope a really so slow brutal brutal pain i hope so too yeah. i mean yeah i don't know what happens if you're like if you, you get cancer as an inmate like do they give you treatment I don't know. I have no idea. I know idea. they don't if you're, like, for in the States and you're on death row, they don't give you a lot of healthcare treatment when I you're would, on death row. I would hope that because we don't have a death row that they just didn't give. I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was, like, diagnosed and then died, like, three months later. I don't think it was very long. Okay, so, so I don't. Must not have... I don't think they gave him treatment. Yeah. And I think colon cancer might be one of those that can go undetected for a little while yeah maybe so but so, i also I either cannot. way he's dead hallelujah Woo! what a piece of garbage yeah just reading like researching this case again because i know that like we talked about i didn't know anything about him i had no idea we, we, i think we were just like to like again by the yeah. time we were born he was in prison and yeah like these parole hearings were happening and stuff but i never i heard wasn't of him. Yeah. i wasn't hearing about it and um to go back and look at like how just disruptive yeah he was even in prison he was still tormenting his victims families all throughout his time in prison and i just i can't believe yeah i can understand why um why people rejoiced when he died yeah and the families were like you know it's not it doesn't 
it doesn't change their pain or their grief no. but i would imagine that there is definitely an element of relief that they don't have to continue yeah. to relive it oh yeah fuck. i'm glad he's dead me too like yeah me i had too. no idea about this case honestly when you were like oh, okay like next week we're gonna record clifford Olsen, i was like oh, okay cool i was like thinking in my head like oh maybe he's just killed a couple people and it's just like a small case but this is huge. That's no, a he's lot. Like, yeah, he's a one lot of, of people. I also didn't of, know it was going to be like young children either. Like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, what a sick piece of shit. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Ew. Again, one of Canada's most um, I'd, notorious Honestly, I'd argue killers. one of like the world's worst. Worst. Yeah. One of. Like, oh, I know there's a lot sure. of them. All serial killers are the fucking worst. But, I mean, yeah. But he's like uh, just ultimate garbage. I hate yeah. him. I hate him. I fucking hate him. Yeah. He's on my list. <laughs> He's on my list. Yeah. I'm well, gonna go mission to, I'm accomplished. Gonna, He's already dead. <laughs> I'm going to get to the afterlife and kill him. You're not going to be in the same place as him, No, Becky. but I'm going to get... Be special- a little bit optimistic. <laughs> Haley, have we met? You know exactly <laughs> where my ass is going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, God. yeah, whatever. Well, that was Clifford Olson. I hope, you know... Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me know your thoughts, guys. Yeah. And how you feel. If any of you were like me and Becky, where it's like, I didn't, I didn't know about this guy. Like yeah. my parents didn't talk about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, um, I got to start watching the news or something. <laughs> I know. I'm like, like, there must've been news reports when he died, but I guess I didn't really, yeah. I don't know. Pay attention to it. No. But he, uh, yeah, he definitely left his mark. Unfortunately, at least, you know, the justice system has changed for the better because yeah. of him and his, sneaky little fucking bullshit ways yeah it's unfortunate all around but uh at the very least you know people learned from him mm-hmm. and how to you know not let criminals like him get away with shit like yeah. that even while they're in prison yeah yeah oh god gross all right well all right guys well that's uh that's my case for this week hope you have a sun shining beautiful day <laughs> sunshiny day (laughs) happy day (laughs) oh lovely rainbows (laughs) go and do something nice go and watch something nice listen to a nice song go breathe some fresh air just uh, hug your loved ones i don't know just do something nice children close because that was heavy yeah that that actually was a really heavy one i didn't realize yeah i didn't know i'm so sorry guys (laughs) i'm so sorry guys oh man yeah well if you want to join our cult of really cool, awesome people, go to patreon.com slash how to not get killed. Sign up and be cool and join us and you'll get extra cool bonus episodes and stuff and all the cool extra bits and bobs and whatnot. Yeah. Extras. The extras. Everybody loves extras. I love extras. Mm-hmm. Extras are the best. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can always email us whatever you want. You know what? I changed that. Not whatever you want, because we're probably going to get some like interesting stuff if we say that. Email I us. Want, I want interesting stuff. Yeah, but what if it's like yucky stuff? I what don't kind know. Of, what do you think? How dare uh, you? Our our people who listen to this are cool. That's true. Our yeah, our our people are actually really cool. <laughs> I've are. met some really cool people through this. Uh, yeah, like, I know. All of you guys are so cool. Yeah. Email us whatever you want. Don't don't listen to Becky. Yeah, all right. You're you're I'm checking the email. My then. words later, but yeah. <laughs> They're going to start sending us like viruses and stuff. They're like, ah, we got them. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So email us um, all your cool stuff to how to not get killed at gmail.com. Uh, you know, hit us up on Instagram. You can DM us. You can comment on our posts. You can harass us all you want at how to not get killed. I'm still working on a website. One of these days it'll be up and running. 
we'll have merch like i mentioned a couple episodes ago we're gonna have like you know holy water by the cases to order <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah we got that coming branded holy water yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah you know the fuck dasani shirts working on those <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we actually will get sued if we make those but i kind of want to do it anyways because <laughs> fuck them i will figure something out we'll get like <laughs> another really large water brand to like endorse us and be like well <laughs> Evian, do you yeah, want to yeah. sponsor us? With Kirkland, <laughs> hit me up. Nestle. <laughs> tap water. DM me. <laughs> the tap water. The sewage system. Tap water TM. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thank we'll you. We'll see, uh, see you. Listen to We always we'll, say we'll see you. We'll see you. I, like, like we've said before, listen, we will quite literally see you. You'll listen to us next week. You'll see me peeping through your windows <laughs> next week. Keep the sleazy bitches. But you, what's your thing? You haven't come up with a thing yet. I don't have a thing. That's oh it. my god! So you just sit there in silence don't and go. Don't put me on the spot. That's terrible. Well, you've been on the spot now for a few weeks. Okay, well, we're out. We're out. Keep it sleazy. Bye. Bye.